Welcome to the Cine Meh Podcast, a place to discuss and deconstruct perfectly average movies. Not good movies, not bad movies, just fine movies. So fine, in fact, you probably forgot they even exist. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. I'm Joshua. And while we may not be nearly as forgettable as these films, we probably run a close second. That's right. Adequate films for adequate folk. Josh, what do you got for me today? Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. It is the season finale. Season finale. Season two finale. And I like, I mean, talk about just like, it's always interesting to kind of think back quickly and be like, you know what? 12 weeks ago, we were recording uh, the the secret of the ooze. And it's just, it's, it's, it's an interesting look back. I know. What a ride. It has been. I'm already uh, in the planning stages for my my watch schedule for season three. Um, <laughs> yes, we, we had to devote some time here. I had to watch this movie, this this our season finale. I had to watch it like three or four times, uh, including <laughs> this this a, a quick recap this morning because I realized I forgot to jot down uh, time codes. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so. oh, that's that's right. There's there's a lot that goes into this one. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a bit to talk about with this one. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a I have a lot to say about this uh, that covers a range of topics. So do I. I think this is going to be an interestingly meta episode because the, I think the conversation is going to step outside the the film quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> it's an interesting it's an interesting vehicle for some of these conversation pieces, uh, and I'm I, this is going to be a really cool season finale. Yeah. So kids, our season finale. We've hyped it. If you've been listening, then you already yeah. know. But we are talking about 2007's Sydney White. Yes. Starring Amanda Bynes, Sarah Paxton, mm-hmm. Matt Long, and me! Our very own co-host of the cinema podcast, Josh Rigdon. Co-stars. Academy snubbed Joshua Rigdon. The, as... the Academy fucked you over on this one, man. Yeah. They're like, sorry, we don't give awards for background performances. And I'm like, you should. Did you see I me will... in that student council First room? First of all. I, I was say I think you hardly qualify as a background performance. You are you you knew how to find your lens in this movie, Josh. You knew how to find your lens. So I, I will say I am um I am a bit too proud of how well I got myself positioned in these scenes. <laughs> um, thankfully, my wife is always there to kind of humble me. Okay, because up until like a week ago, she only knew about the one scene. Right in like, the really? she's like we've never watched this movie together. I was like, oh, she's like, I know you did it, but, you know, we met right like after this movie came out. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, prepare to be blown away. So I'm like stopping. I'm like pointing to where I am. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, how, how would you see see that? I'm like, uh, you can see. Stop it. <laughs> you can see. Yes, you can see. Well, and, and I, I know you're definitely like background, like in walking in the background in a few sequences. But I mean, like. You are very much in focus, center frame during the uh, the Greek meeting. Yeah, I am. I am right next to the girl that has her, you know, two lines, uh, <laughs> and I'm wearing an outfit like I'm wearing a blue shirt that's very similar to Tyler Prince's. And I was yes. like, I feel like somebody should have called that and like put me in something else, or maybe moved me further down the table or something. Now, see, I, I am right there in my terrible I, haircut. I, <laughs> 
We'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that was like an art direction moment. Like I actually thought that they were like trying to align colors so that like there was this sense of school pride. By the way, the girl you're sitting next to, was that Ashley Eckstein? Because she's in this movie. No, I don't think that was her. Okay. Uh, now I'm like, I don't know. She was in this movie? She's got to be one of the Kappas. She, yeah, I think she's one of the Kappas. Um, for the those of you who, who don't know, Ashley Eckstein, or Eckstein, however you pronounce it, uh, she uh, would go on to very famously voice Ahsoka Tano in the Clone Wars uh, Star Wars TV show and would very specifically release a... Uh, a, a clothing line of Star Wars themed clothes and and fashion for women. The idea like to bring more women into the Star Wars universe because she found that she loved it so much and, and really nerded out on it. Really cool figure, very, very nice woman. Um, I've gotten to work with her a few times in my uh, my Disney days and a great person. And so now I'm terribly curious if Josh, did you? sit next to Ashley Eckstein when uh, filming this uh, this particular sequence. So, no, she was one of the Kappas. She's yeah. one of the Kappas in there. So she's, um, that, that wasn't her. She was, uh, okay. I think she was still blonde at gotcha. this time. Uh, but she's also from Kentucky, just like oh, Matt Long was also from Kentucky. And I was born in Kentucky. It's a basically, it's a Kentucky movie, my friends. Is, is that what you and Matt Long talked about when you guys were on set together? Did you talk about... Being from Kentucky? Uh, br- briefly. So I did, like, I exchanged conversation with uh, Matt Long, with Sarah Paxton, like, in that scene. Uh, they're the only ones that I had any sort of, like, interaction with. Okay. Um, even though I'm in scenes with Amanda Bynes and a bunch of the dorks, I am I am very background. So, like, I don't, you, you I, I don't get close to them at all. Sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, uh... Me and Miles Teller, man, <laughs> both yeah, both from the same town, with the same high school, and uh, we have done equally well. I don't think you can argue that. No, I don't. I don't. I think that that's a, you're you're the host of a very well known, well respected podcast, and Miles Teller, he did Fantastic Four, and he was okay in that. He did do Fantastic Four. I want people to remember. You know what? <laughs> Anybody who's going to criticize, watch Sydney White. <laughs> Watch Fantastic Four 2015 with Miles. Tell me which movie you enjoy a little bit more. <laughs> Choose carefully. We may stop being friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Miles Teller. Um, anyway, so, yeah. Quick, quick rundown. Sydney White. Uh, yeah. Sydney White is a story of uh, a girl raised by her blue-collar dad. She goes yeah. off to college uh, to pledge... To the sorority that her mother went to. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, when she gets ostracized, she basically challenges the power dynamic of the school. Right. It's a good way to explain it, right? Yeah, it's it's sem- semi um, <clears throat> Revenge of the Nerds or uh, Animal House meets um, the Snow White, the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah, um, it's also Snow White just in college, kids. Uh, yeah, this but is, explaining it the way I did, you're like, oh, okay, that sounds kind of interesting. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, well, it's Snow White, and you're like, oh, it, well, all right. It's it's very much Snow White. It's it, it was at a time where, like, the, this is it's a few years removed from it, but it, it reminds me of like the Ten Things I Hate About You era, where 
there were like all of these quote unquote modern retellings of fairy tales or uh, Shakespearean plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of which was a film headlined by okay. Amanda Bynes. Uh, She's the Man, oh. which I think was a very popular like early film yep. of hers. She's the Man is a telling of, uh, I believe it's Twelfth Night. Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, Night, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which and, is a bonkers uh, play. So. It is. <laughs> Well, and and like her film career would basically cap with Easy A, which was the Scarlet Letter. Um, yeah, you know, and so she did a couple of these modern retellings, and this is a this is a charming enough movie. Um, I think it it gets under personally it gets under my skin for some very specific personal <laughs> reasons that we can get into. Um, but this uh, it, it's not a bad film. Um, it's got it, it has a lot of very middle of the road talent. Like uh, like Matt Long, I, I kind of put into that that space. Like he's, um, I, I feel like he would go on much much later to achieve stronger success on a smaller screen, smaller screen space. Yeah. But uh, you know, wasn't ever didn't ever end up like the movie star that like maybe he was hoping for with this sort of you know teen rom com. Sarah Paxton is someone who I have seen in both like devastatingly serious roles and just completely fucking terrible over the top roles. Uh, one of her known for, uh, is this, um, (laughs) like really God awful shark movie. Um, that's like a sci-fi, you know? Oh yeah. 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 Which I have unfortunately seen and I can't, I'm blanking on the name of it because it's so unremarkable, but she was also in last house on the left. Uh, which is a very difficult movie to watch. If if you've ever, are you familiar with Last House on the Left? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I remember going to see that because I was like, oh yes, my girl. Uh, yep. And being like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that is a that is a hard movie to watch. Um, yeah. So yeah, she's she interesting talent who again just never quite popped. Uh, obviously, the centerpiece of this film is Amanda Bynes, and uh, you know Amanda Bynes very much of like early Nickelodeon fame. And then went on to try to have a uh, a film career for uh, for a little while. She tried, and it just it didn't pan out for her. I think she wanted to have the career that Emma Stone kind of ended up having. Yes, agree. And uh, based on whatever I've read online, it seems like the uh, Easy A kind of kind of tipped her over the edge a little bit. She was just like, "Okay, this is ridiculous." Which is interesting because I I feel like they were both fine in that in in Easy A. I thought I thought they were both you know thought it was a good movie. I actually enjoy Easy A. No, Easy A is a great movie. I think yeah. she didn't like that she was stuck in the role that she did in that movie. Got it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, Amanda Bynes is um you know she was very talented, um very talented like in her niche. But as is a tale with like a lot of childhood stars especially coming out of the Disney and Nickelodeon machines, uh, they come up against some rough, some rough crap. And, and there's a couple of things about this that I think is, is worth interrogating and, and discussing in the, the, the context of this, this podcast. Um, <clears throat> first of all, something that I noticed, especially in, I feel like the last decade or two, there is a Disney Channel style of acting. 
right? So when you watch yes. the Disney Channel original shows, they all seem very homogenous. And it's because there's very, especially with the, the kid or teen-centered ones, there is very much a specific acting style that they are directed into. And uh, similarly, you saw some of this in the early Nickelodeon days as well, where there was there was a brand, right? There was a style that they wanted to capture, and uh, they wanted you to know that you were watching a Nickelodeon show when you were watching these actors in it. I wonder, and I think we've like pontificated on this in the, the past, but I, like I wonder how how what it does to a young actor to basically be directed into a box this way and in your formative years where you are like learning as many skills and sponging up as much knowledge as you possibly can what does that calcify in their brain in terms of how to act and do we actually ruin the potential for child actors to really i think there's very few examples of uh child actors being able to cross over into the adult world. The, the one that I, I, I come back to is Kurt Russell. Like, Kurt Russell made it happen. Um, but how often do do child actors get told, this is how you deliver this performance, and then just can't ever get away from that? And we then later excoriate them for being terrible actors when they're probably just, they were badly directed. They're badly directed, badly managed i think some yeah. cases their 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 parents are terrible um because you're just so swept up in the like oh this is this is big time for the kids right um but then yeah you become and i think this is this is a thing with like celebrities in general is like you become yeah. synonymous with your role right and it's like you have to be that role like almost all the time like anything time you're in public you're like you're your role or something similar and you can't uh -huh. misbehave or there are dire consequences. Exactly. And especially when you're coming down on a, on a child, you know, someone whose brain is not fully developed. Right. Uh, you know, they have a very skewed perception of reality because it's all behind, you know, lights and cameras and stuff like, or in front of the lights and cameras and stuff. So it's, it's a very, very, just very different world. Well, and it's interesting that there's a like a, a concept that people stop mentally aging, so to speak, when they become famous. So when your fame arrives, it sort of uh, it, it, it crystallizes your level of like maturity. Like that's just sort sort of who you will always be thereafter. It's like you know that there's a joke in, in Hollywood, obviously, that uh, Leo DiCaprio chases much younger women. And we can debate the weirdness of that at another time. Part of me does wonder how much of that has to do with uh, he became famous as a teenage heartthrob. And he's just sort of mentally stuck in that space. And I, with child actors, I wonder even more so, like, do they just stop emotionally maturing when they become famous? Because that is, for whatever reason, an odd byproduct of fame. And uh, what is... What does that ultimately do to them in trying to grow up? And is this something that uh, now I'm just asking a bunch of questions. I'm, I'm Tucker Carlson in this. Should we be having a psychologist do more in-depth deep dives on actors and see if they can be broken out of these sorts of thought patterns? I'm just asking questions. But uh, well, yeah, <clears throat> they should. They, but they just need. I mean, a counterexample I would say is Harry sure. Potter. Those kids. Um, excellent point. Overall, they've ended up all right. Yeah. Overall. 
uh, minus the one that like stabbed somebody and went to prison. Um, but you who know, is that? Uh, Crab or Goyle, one of them. If you notice, he's not in the last movie. That tracks. <laughs> I was like, there's method acting, and then there's uh, method acting, my boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, you you know, but the, the they have to kind of find their own thing. Right. Uh, Emma Watson, you know, she she stepped away from. She ended up stepping away from acting for a little while, sure. uh, and this has recently kind of opened up about like why and what she's choosing to do instead. Um, th- these kids don't know what they want to be. Right. They're it's just like, pushed in. Ask it. any kid, hey, do you want to be famous? Sure, sounds great. Can I have exactly. all the ice cream ever? Oh, absolutely. Excellent. Fine. Well, and, and, like, you know, it's it's funny that there's, we're, you know, making fun of kids these days who grow up saying that they want to be, like, a TikTok star or a YouTube star. But in my head, I'm like, how, how is that any different than a child saying that they want to be a rock star when they grow up or they want to be a movie star? You have no idea. You don't know why you want to be famous. You just think that it's it looks cool to be famous, so you want to be whatever your generation's version of fame is. Well, yeah, and there's a difference between pursuing the art sure. and the, 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 the work that goes into acting, goes into performing. Yes. And then just being like, ah, I want to make a big... And, I, and yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I think, honestly, I think that's uh, that's one of the differences between me and Miles Teller. Is okay. You've you've chosen I to wanted pursue to, your art, and yeah, I wanted to I wanted to do it, but I didn't want it hard enough. I think, and I, I mm. like I was not driven enough to to figure it out because I think there's a lot of me that was just like I didn't know how to do things, and and I wanted people to just tell me how to do the thing, right? So I could go do the thing. Where whereas someone like Miles, he like he put the work in. There's no denying it. There's a lot of talent and networking and yada yada, but right. Like at the end of the day, the guy works hard, and I won't take that away from him, no matter like how envious I am of him in some part of my world. Uh, but he never got to do a movie with Amanda Bynes, so get wrecked. Um, yeah, exactly. And he probably never will. Probably never will. So <laughs> suck on that. <laughs> yeah. Just a moment, sir. Just <laughs> a moment in time. Uh, yeah, so Sydney White, it's it's one it's in that vein of uh, modern retellings of Snow White. Not only that, it's a spin on like Disney's version of Snow White, which I think mm. is interesting because yeah. this was a Universal Pictures movie, which does feel like a needle in the eye of Disney. Like I, I also feel like Universal did that for a while, like it would intentionally poke them get better. close and yeah, because yeah. it, it's interesting that like how many. Like Disney Snow White beats there are in this movie, but you're like, well, it's sure. the most well known adaptation of the story, right? So why not? But some of it is just so like laughably obvious, <clears throat> like the the prince has to kiss the princess to wake her up after she's fallen yeah, into it, which deep. is super cringe in this day and age. Uh, oh my god, that. it's, that's messed up. And she was comatose. <laughs> not only that, but it's just it's not a good looking kiss on screen. It's very uncomfortable looking. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it, it's like, is your chemistry quite there romantically? I'm not sure. I, I did not think it was, but that's my no. opinion. <laughs> no, I, but I think part of it is like uh, Amanda's got a very cartoony expressiveness in her face. Like she's very good at over the top facial expressions and she uses them in this movie. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's what made her so effective as a Nickelodeon actress, right? Like her, her yeah. time in, the, in her Nickelodeon roles was sold because she does have a, it, like a, I think cartoony face is like everybody in this. Yeah, she's like, got the wide, ex- wide eyes that she can I, I, go I, muppet say, with. Even Sarah Paxton kind of looks like Rapunzel come to life. Like the way that mm. her eyes are set on her face, like they 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 chose a cast in this movie that looks a little cartoonish. You you can't you cannot tell me that uh, freaking um, who's the guy that plays the essentially it's it's Doc um, Terrence the uh, Terrence, Terrence the dork yeah yeah exactly you you can't tell me he that's not Beaker oh yeah yeah hundred percent he's he's a hundred percent Beaker yeah yeah. Nerd Connection, uh, that actor would go on yeah. to play Donatello in the Michael Bay produced Ninja Turtle movies. That's no shit. Uh, the yeah. vo- he did the voice. And I well, I think he was the mocap and the voice. Wow. I think most of them. I, th- I think most of them did the mocap and the voice. I uh, just for the first one, they brought Johnny Knoxville in to uh, voice Leonardo for I guess right. celebrity pool. <laughs> um, Jer- Jeremy Howard. Jeremy Howard. Yeah. Um, Sam Levine, as a as a he was probably the most recognizable dork to me. Yeah, because he he very much would be well uh, Spanky. Yeah, I I I'd have put it up between him and um, the one who's basically supposed to be grumpy. Uh, yeah, Gherkin. Uh, Gherkin. I recognize him from Buffy. Yes, exactly. Like between the two of them, uh, Danny Strong. Um, between the two of them, they they would play nerds in a lot of other things because i mean yeah. danny strong also made appearances in um uh oh my god show with kaylee cuoco and uh big, big bang, bang theory. theory yeah yeah he would show up in big bang theory occasionally if i remember correctly. i want to talk about that a little bit actually because this movie sydney white came out in theaters and then i think like a week later big bang theory premiered yep and there are scenes in sydney white where you're like this is straight up big bang theory it very much is big bang theory like they do the same trope well and it captures a moment in time where quote unquote nerd culture was sort of being pushed into the mainstream and and on the one hand it was kind of an interesting time because it was like you know we're, we're trying to like make people think that it's okay to be a nerd or a dork and i i uh, like in retrospect find all of that terribly reductive and sort of like oddly offensive in in ways that's Try not to be too like overly woke with this, because then people will be like, "These guys are too easily triggered." But <laughs> um, like the, the the Big Bang Theory version of like pop culture nerdism, um, for whatever reason, I feel like it took away like the what was special about nerd culture at one point. Like you know, being into Marvel and comic books during that era, like before the MCU really popped was still very like niche and you had your own small community. And now it's so mainstream and all over the place that like there's a specialness that's gone away from it. Maybe I'm just like envious that, that we don't have that, that kind of like niche community anymore, but I agree. There's a lot of th- this shares a lot with big bang theory beats. Yeah. There's the, the scene where they're all like playing poker. Yep. And, and uh, <laughs> all it's all there. Action their nerd figures. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. And the, the amount of star Wars that is like in that, in the vortex is pretty awesome. Uh, this I mean, is they, before the Disney acquisition. 
they've got the arcade. They've got uh, Han Solo. All kinds of like just memorabilia hanging yeah, around. Yeah, there's like a Darth Vader somewhere and a Greedo with the yeah, signs of Han shot first. I love that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was a good reference. Um, but they couldn't get the rights to the music. So you know when he reveals his big, uh, big thing in the pot, uh, uh-huh. it's very John Williams adjacent. It- <laughs> <laughs> John Williams and Jason is that's that's the way to yeah yeah that's, that's you just a good you one. put yep. the music in there that it's enough that you know but you're not gonna get sued like Ed Sheeran, uh, poor Ed Sheeran he also won. he's fine fuck Marvin Gaye's estate not not Marvin Gaye himself he seems like he was an all right guy but his estate they seem like a bunch of petty sons of bitches anyway back to the movie. <laughs> Back to the movie, sir. <laughs> um, this was directed by Joe Nussbaum. Hope I'm saying that right. Uh, written by Chad Gomez Creasy. I just love is written by some guy named Chad. Uh, I was like, I can feel it in some of these moments. I feel like it's very yep. Chad. Very Chad. Uh, Joe, he's not a very recognizable director. I was like okay. going through his IMDb. I'm like, what else has he done? And he's done like TV episodes like here and okay. there. Um, but Prior to this, he did uh, American Pie Naked Mile. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I have seen that. That's uh, when the American Pie movies were getting out of control. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was a direct video sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. You're like, Eugene Levy is in like one opening scene to give you the connective yeah. tissue. They're just <laughs> just completely cashing in on uh, on the name of the, the franchise yeah. at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then I think what gave him director status was he did. The short Shakespeare, or not uh, Shakespeare, uh, George Lucas in Love, which is okay. It was a, oh, it was a oh, short oh. that was riffing yep. off of Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love, yeah, <laughs> uh, a very <laughs> funny film short. I don't know that I've seen it. I, I now I want to. It's it's good. It's enjoyable. It's okay. It's super cheesy, um, but it's it's enjoyable. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, that's where this guy came from. Uh, so he made Sidney White with a budget of sixteen point five. Box office thirteen point six. Really? Yeah, this movie didn't do well. It bombed that bad. That bad. I I guess that surprises me because I I, I don't think this is a good movie, but I also don't think this is like so abysmal that it like that straight up feels like people avoided this movie. It's six point two out of ten on IMDb. Which is very middle of the road. It's perfectly fine. Like I it is. This is yeah, go ahead. I think what I would argue is like if you want to watch like an Amanda Bynes film, early two thousands, are you going to choose Sydney White, or are you going to choose something like, uh, you know, she's the man? Yeah, it's a and, good, it's a good point. Yeah, and I'm like, she's the man is a much better made film, even though I would argue it's also equally ridiculous. Well, so interesting by the way that we brought up, um, Fantastic Four. Some movies that came out in 07. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. So this is before Miles arrived. Miles wasn't in that one. He was not in in that one. Um, Spider-Man 3 was 2007. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ghost Rider. Um, The first Transformers movie, which I I don't care what anybody says. The first Transformers movie is not a bad movie. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter Order of the Phoenix I don't know like what the reception of that one was but it's Harry Potter so um, you know it, I 
imagine somebody went and saw it, but also Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Like, 2007 was kind of a stacked year for franchise movies. So, if so we're by the end of the summer, by the end of the summer, people are out of money. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you really, oh my God, I Am Legend was 2007. Um, yeah, I, I could very much see where this would 100% just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And so it's, maybe uh, that's, yeah. It's a shame because it's a very silly, fun watch. It is. Some yeah. of the stuff is super over the top, and there's moments <laughs> that are a little cringe. Um, but yeah. you just like, she goes to school, then you, you, you have the scene to just introduce a character whose name is Rachel Witchburn. And you're Witch. like, all right, I wonder if she's a good guy. Right. Uh, you know, and then her, the, 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 the love interest, his name is Tyler Prince. I was like, all right, that's, you know, that's almost like Charmin. Uh, from <laughs> oh my God, Alien from Sean. L.A., you know? Yes. Yep. Very much. Uh, you know, and then her name is Sydney White, not Snow White. You know, not Sydney Snow White, White. yes. Uh, and then, yeah, all the dorks are very emblematic of all the Disney dwarf personalities. They don't have those personalities in the original story, my friends. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. something that was given to you in the Disney adaptation. But it's, right. again, most recognizable version of the story, so you do a spin on that. Uh, of course, Happy is not happy. He's uh, he's horny. That's his happy. Uh, is, he's horny, okay, so, so he spanky. was supposed to be happy. He's happy. Yeah. Okay. He, the, the 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 guy that's uh the guy that's basically sneezy. You know the 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 main is the one with the allergies. Yeah, he's dork. the main. He he introduces yep. him. He gets like he's like he gets a little too happy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like oh yeah. Got it. So then that yeah. that means that the guy who's trying to become a tiger scout that he was dopey because like between dopey. the two of them. I couldn't figure out. I was like, which one is, is supposed to be sleepy is easy to identify. Doc takes a little imagination, but like once I put it together, I was like, Oh, like they went very literal. Like he's a doctor yeah. or some sort of scientist. Um, sneezy grumpy is, is pretty easy to identify. Uh, what are the others? Who am I missing? Uh, so we got sneezy, which was the first dork we met. Yeah. Um, bashful is your guy oh, with the, the sock puppet with the puppet. The, do- yep. the dog puppet, yeah. Yeah. Uh, W's the Tiger Scout. Yeah, I think that's everybody. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. It's actually uh, listed it's... in the IMDB trivia now that I'm looking at it. <laughs> they oh, say okay. who's who. And I was like, well, I should have probably... But you should figure it out. Um, yeah, exactly. my My favorite joke in the movie, again, okay. it's super, super pandering and it's like so obvious, but I love the joke and it's when they pick it down Greek Row and the one goes, hi ho, and the other one goes, bye ho. <laughs> Uh shit. But I yeah, mean, so they, 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 they go out of their way to establish that Ho is part of the lexicon in this world. Like, it's... Yes. Dork. It's very much Ho's. yes. Yeah. That she was the time, ain't man. no Ho. Like, who wants to be a part of those societies, man? Like, they're they're really bad. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is where this movie, for me, like, actually made me a little uncomfortable. Like, having been on... A, like, it, gone through a version of this... I like I really struggle with movies that um are somewhat in some way centered around Greek life and really play up like the hazing and humiliation that go into that because I I so patently don't agree with any or all of that kind of behavior. I'm a I'm a, I have a big problem with um the idea of becoming part of an organization and then having to further prove 
that you belong there. To me, that's bad hiring standards. <laughs> like, and it goes it goes straight into something like a social organization. Like, if you decide that you want people to be a part of your organization, like in in Greek life, I don't think there's anything wrong with having you know some kind of like you know uh, bonding experiences, you know, some sort of form of initiation to get them like you know integrated into the group and 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 as a contributing member. But like the the humiliation aspect of it, I really struggle with because it's such a it, it's it's so much of like sanctioned bullying being put into practice um, that like I, I I immediately disliked the entire Kappa house top to bottom. Don't really care what their personalities are beyond the fact that they participated in what I think is kind of a gruesome system. So <laughs> uh, they, I, I agree with your who would ever want to be a part of this shit because it's just the way that they treat people in these movies. And it's not it's not just Sidney White. It's it's any film that um, relies on Greeks as villains. I it's it, it's really it's it's unpleasant. Well, and you have uh, about this time, and I think definitely for several years. Uh, yeah. After this movie's release, there were there would be several news stories that would kind of come out about different fraternities uh, and their hazing practices and how like they were getting overhauled and, and or suspended and stuff because yeah. of some of the truly awful shit that would happen. It's a joke in the movie Mystery Men where they're introducing the different crime organizations and there's like it, one is modeled after f- like fraternities. Uh, it's uh, uh, oh my I god, I don't who, remember that. Oh, yeah. And uh, Casanova Frankenstein says that they're um, on permanent probation for lethal hazing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so it's like it was a thing. It was a thing. People like literally died. Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully in this movie, it's it's way more mild, but there's, you know, still a lot of humiliation involved. Yeah. And and some ridiculous stuff. Um, The my first appearance is at around nine minutes, 56 seconds. Okay. <laughs> and that is when Rachel drives her tricked out uh, power wheel through the band to go park at her like private spot yeah. at the student council building. Uh-huh. Um, I walk into the building like right in front of her, uh, not paying her any attention. Uh, well, you weren't, and then you weren't the, voting on the sharks or the sharkettes? No. And then... Uh, and then that subsequent scene is, uh, you know, the the student council scene where they unveil their right. big plan to demolish the vortex. And I'm right there. I, I, I steal the eyebrow from the rock a little bit. You definitely uh, apologize. Did. Apologies, Dwayne. No, it was it was an excellent me. use. Well, yeah, I think he's doing okay. Well, I thought we were going to do like a buddy comedy at some point, uh, and just keep and shooting then, the eyebrow back and forth. Yeah, uh, but then yeah. he met Kevin Hart, and it was—I knew it was off the table. So, oh yeah, it's that's unfortunate. Yeah, you move on. You do. Uh, and then after the the student council scene, you know, I you see me come right down the steps again, putting on a right. pair of glasses because I'm so. <laughs> I'm looking at. It, I was like, oh, I miss those glasses. Those were fun. They're 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 not. They're super cheesy. They had like you know, blue lenses, flames on the side, whatever. But I liked them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was on. I did three days. I did three days of shoots. Okay. Um, probably could have done more. I probably could have been in this entire movie. Like, it was shot here in Orlando. Uh, yeah, at Rollins you know, College, that, right? Rollins, UCF, uh, I think University High School, okay. uh, Full Sail. Um, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Full sales there. I always forget that. Full sales all over this movie. Yeah, like, it is. Pretty much your whole production crew came out of full, full sale. sale. Yep. Um, <laughs> which is fine. It, it was fascinating right, right. to yeah. see the amount of work that goes into like setting up these, she- these scenes. Like, my, my day was like over 12 hours long. Right. And the amount of time that's spent like shooting during that time is comparatively small. Right. There's it's just mostly so setting much, up for shots. It's yeah. so much setting up and placing placing your background, timing out their movements. You gotta bring your stand ins for your principals mm-hmm. to like mark their spots and get your equipment set up and make everything look right. Then you gotta get your principals out there and they gotta flub their lines. And then <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, man. No, but I, I did I did three days. Uh, and it was just, it was fascinating. I was like, I feel like I would learn so much from just being on the set of a film right. versus going to school for it. Cause this was my misguided idea was I would come to Orlando. They just still do production stuff in Orlando. I'll go work at the studio parks and I'll learn how to like get into some stuff. And I'm relatively local. I didn't have to go to New York or LA. It's great. Right. Um, and I started, let me tell you, I started on a high cause this filmed, from February to April. So right. like I had moved down there and like within the month I was <laughs> on a You're film like, shoot. I'm, and I was like, I'm already doing yeah. this. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I think in like May or June, they filmed like the Disney channel games over at wide world sports. I did like a day or two on that. And I was like, this is great. And then my career dried up. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> did you have an agent? <laughs> Clearly that was part of the problem. I needed an agent. Yeah. So you needed an agent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Same year I did some like, Spider-Man promotional appearances at Walmart's. Oh, Spider-Man I remember 3. that. I, yeah. I do recall that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so 2007, good year for me uh, in my acting career. And uh, never visited since. <laughs> but it's a... It was, so I'm, I'm, I'm well aware that this movie is pretty meh. Uh, but it's my, it's my meh movie. So no, no, it, it, Until this, I get a better this, one. I, <laughs> I I very much feel like this is a, a completely inoffensive meh movie. Like, there's nothing about this film that, like, I, I'm, well, I say that after having just ranted about how I don't like the Greek culture in this. I was to say, I, like, nothing about this movie, like, truly offends me. Um, it, like, it's it's a meh movie, right? Like, it's, it's exactly what cinema is here for. <laughs> it is. It's just, like, later, like, probably a year later, I was working uh, with a guy... And he got to be an extra on At World's End, uh, oh. on Pirates of the Caribbean. At World's End, yeah. he got to be an extra on that, and like you can clearly see him in in uh, like his scenes. He's he's part of uh, one of the pirate crews and stuff. And I'm like mother. Say, was he I was, was he in fact a pirate? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty dope. It's, yeah, it's, it's that's great. I was cool. like, all right, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know another guy that he got to do background for. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. He was okay. he was a blue, a big blue Ravager, like with Sylvester Stallone in that scene. Yeah, and I was like, mother, I, I should have aimed higher. I should have aimed higher in the background industry. <laughs> to, what to be in the background of? <laughs> Dude, it's it's kind of fun, and I'm like, that's probably very decent, stable work. Like there are people that like that's what they do. They're just in, backgrounds in L.A. They they just yeah. they they do background work, and you know you get. Paid. I don't know. How, I don't know how much it was. How much it is now. I think our pay was like between hundred to one twenty five, which isn't a, a lot of money. But 
uh, when you're a college kid in 2007, it was not bad. Well, yeah, and I was going to say, I don't, I don't think it's gone up a whole lot since then. I, I do remember when I was out in Los Angeles. Now, I was out there to for the heavy metal scene, not for, for acting. But, like, one of the ways that you would, like, make ends meet was by signing up to be an extra on, you know, some set. You're just, like, literally in the crowd somewhere. And it was, like, 100 bucks and a lunch. And so not only did you not have to pay yeah. for food that day, but you got 100 bucks in your pocket. And so, yeah, I'm sure that there are some people who, you know, do an extra gig uh, an extras gig once a day, five days a week. You know, you're talking about two thousand dollars a month, which, <laughs> it's, you know, not outstanding, but it's also, I think that's above poverty line. <laughs> it's it's acceptable as long as you got like yeah. four other roommates in your loft apartment. Exactly. <laughs> this is, this is the, can, as one lived. You got it. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the next scene I'm in is it's actually a scene I want to talk about, not just because I'm in it. Um, okay. But it was around the 26 minute, 50 second mark is where you can see me. I'm in a corner of the classroom and it's the first classroom scene with the professor talking about um, American political systems. Yes. And and everything. And that's when you get introduced to some of the other dorks. Uh, And she the professor kind of creates this head to head against Sydney and Rachel Mm -hmm. about their perceptions on people. Right. Uh, I learned because my first copy of this movie was a full screen copy. Okay. And if you're watching in full screen, you can't see me. I'm too far over. So I was really pissed off about that. Uh. And I had to go get a widescreen. <laughs> had to get the widescreen. <laughs> yes. Because around 2650, I'm in the I'm in the far right hand of your screen. The full screen cuts me off. It's bullshit. Uh, that's funny. Uh, but yeah, I'm there. And then you can see me uh, again in another shot of that scene around 2730. Okay. Um, I'm like, you can see me like right behind Rachel's head. So, yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, so like I'm in that scene. I'm like, sweet. That was my third day of shooting. I had a different hairstyle each day. Oh. Yes. Was that intentional? First, yes and no. Uh, okay. <laughs> my first day go, going out, doing my first day on there, I was due for a haircut. I was very shaggy and stuff, and I needed to get a haircut. So um, one of the things about background actors is they have to be as nondescript as possible they need to kind of blend in they need you need to make sure nobody's going to pull focus we had a guy i befriended on the in in the background entertainment he uh he went by razzle he was quite the myspace personality Uh he had this dope like snidely whiplash mustache situation like it was (laughs) so big and incredible it was amazing uh but because he had that he was placed very far in the background right because that will so, pull focus yeah yeah he couldn't be at the student council they'd right. be like hold on go who's the guy with the mustache who's the guy with the mustache is that and a, when is, is he going to be important again? Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> they, they can't just put him there for no reason yeah exactly <laughs> uh, but my first my first day of shooting um my scene was around the uh 50 minute seven second mark okay and it's uh, was that right? Um, it was like after her humiliation and being kicked out of the yeah. sorority and Tyler yeah. confronts her being like, oh, I'm so sorry. And Rachel watches in the distance and she's really pissed off. I walk behind Rachel wearing a like a fraternity black fraternity shirt. Uh, shirt. I'm talking on a flip phone. Uh, oh, but man. I was like, I was very shaggy. I was very shaggy. Okay. I was like that. <laughs> that won't work. Uh, so I had my friend's dad give me a haircut because he cut. 
he cuts their hair and stuff. And he's like, I was like, can you just give me a haircut so this is not a shaggy mess? And that's the hairstyle I end up with on day two of filming, which was the student council scene. <laughs> yes. Pretty, pretty terrible. Not a great, not a great haircut. <laughs> Don't love it. Pretty sure I was being sabotaged by my friend's dad. Uh <laughs> Uh, so he, he was like, I want to break into this. <laughs> so after that day, I was like, now nah, I got to go fix this. So I went to like a great clips or something and just like had it fixed. So I had a different hairstyle each day of my shoot, but it worked because I think it got me put into spots where I could find the lens. I, I mean, excellent, excellent strategy on your part. It also makes me wonder, though, like whoever was doing continuity for that film, were they not like looking through the shots going... Why is our background extra have a different hairstyle every single day? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't, I'm not the same person every single day. You know? Oh, okay. Like, oh, you're... yeah. Like you don't have a role. You're just a body. So yeah, I was gonna. So like, are you going into those then being like, okay, today my motivation is going to be, and you like invented a new character for yourself in your head each time? A little bit, yeah. A little I bit. Did do okay. that a little bit. Like the day one was me just basically <laughs> just really happy to be there, but having to be cool yep <laughs> and then day two of course i'm like holy shit the camera's right freaking there <laughs> i'm like right here this bitch is sitting right next to me talking to me like oh my god <laughs> i'm like i have to be cool so of course when i'm playing it really cool i look like a dickhead because <laughs> in that scene i'm just like mm. uh and then day three they put me in a like a Southern Atlantic University football shirt. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, okay, I guess I support the football team. Maybe I'm on the team. I don't know. And, uh, you know, I just carried that like aura with me, I guess. Did you, did we you should get talk to keep... more about the movie itself? We should. <laughs> I mean, this is not all just about me. Although I do appear again at one hour, 30 minutes and around eight seconds. <laughs> I'm walking across the quad in the background when Amanda Bynes gets her sweet ass hammer from Tyler Prince. Oh, that's right. That's, she was all all excited about getting the, the special yeah. hammer. Yeah. yeah. It was the hammer she wanted at the beginning of the movie. I don't know if you it remember. Was. Like, yeah, I, no, they're like, I, no, sorry, it's just a MacBook. It's just <laughs> a MacBook. I know. And I, like, and she's like, oh, you know, I wanted a hammer, but I'm sure this fancy computer will be fine. Well, and I got to tell you, I was a little ashamed of myself for not realizing okay. it, like right off the bat, because it's like, oh, they pull together and get a computer. I'm like, you're making a moment out of this. It's like, okay, like they don't have a lot of money. They splurged and got her computer. Great. It's not until they did it because they needed an analogous poisoned apple. Right. Which, in case you're not smart enough to get it, don't worry. Your college hacker guy will say, there, one we'll poisoned s- apple. And you're like, oh, my, I know. We'll put it I like, yeah, I, it's, <laughs> and, and this is the thing, this this movie and it's, it's um, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves references at first, it feels very much inspired by Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It will later go on to, like, ham-fistedly point out the parallels. Like, especially towards the end, it gets very on the nose with some of this stuff. Also, they use the music from Beauty and the Beast. Did you catch that? That was another one of those music things. There's just certain moments where, like, I think my wife and I turned to each other last week when we were watching. I was like, those are the Beauty and the Beast chords, right? It's like, Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, when yeah. they're telling the fairy tale at the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, which is, mm-hmm. like, arguably one of the most powerful moments in the film. And, and when I'm she like, goes out in the rain. And when she goes when out she's out the rain. It's when she's out and in the, the rain. It's the same. And, it's, and I was like, that's the Beauty and the Beast movie. And you're, if and somebody can confirm that. And then Ice pops that, up in the like, corner going, no, no, no. 
Beauty and the Beast goes, da, da, da. Seriously. I will say also, it's a little funny to me that there are, like, there's elements in this film that today just don't seem as weird, but like I guess back then, like for example, they're going to the first rush party, and Amanda Bynes shows up wearing chucks, and like these days, I feel like chucks are so integrated into just like fashion, even that nobody would have batted an eye at it. But apparently, it's a big fucking deal that she's wearing Chuck Taylors to this like rush party and not. Because she's not a girly girl. She's not a girly girl. She was not, you know, she didn't know how to be a proper uptight bitch. But I would very much argue that even girly girls these days enjoy a pair of Chuck Taylors. Like that's, they're just, they're ubiquitous now. It, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter as much now. But I think that goes back to what you were talking about earlier with like a little more broader acceptance of different interests, different styles. that's, um, yeah, that's fair. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I would argue there was probably another sorority on that campus that would not mind if she was wearing sure chucks. But yeah. these are the the blonde princesses. Yeah, like, uh, they just yeah. I, I'll, I'll I'll say I think the one clever line in this movie because I don't think the writing in this movie is particularly clever, but the one clever line is when Tyler Prince says calls her out for being illegally blonde. And I was like, oh, that's that's actually that's really clever. <laughs> that is kind of funny. <laughs> that is really clever because the entire Kappa universe is blonde and she's the one brunette. I guess. Is, yeah. is, is she or she I, like, I don't know why I think of Amanda Bynes having red hair. But. Well, the, the lining in this movie gives her hair a little bit of a reddish sheen at times. Okay. Like she's almost yeah. auburn. Uh, yeah. But I, I would say she's brunette. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do, do, how I think that scene going back to um, the first like classroom scene. Yeah. Whatever the, what they're talking about in terms of the power dynamic and how to set up America's democracy. Love, I was like, that's that. super topical at the moment. It really is. I loved that. Conversation. I was like, that is the battle we're actually having right now. <laughs> yes. It a hundred percent is. And it, like, I, I, I think it was sleepy introduces the idea that um, Alexander Hamilton uh, like argued for an, uh, a monarchy, um, like a mon- the, yeah, a monarchy at, at the formation, and it, it's so funny because I I feel like there's an idea of Hamilton these days as being kind of like a, a a little bit of a lefty and progressive, and I place that firmly on Hamilton by Lin Manuel Miranda. Like I I'm like you know Hamilton the the real Hamilton was the author of the Federalist Papers. And he had a very conservative idea of what America's government should look like. Um, and the the whole conversation about should we have been a mon- monarchy? Should we have been set up as an oligarchy like right from the beginning, which is kind of arguably where we've now find, found ourselves versus how much are, are we discrediting the common person for uh, by setting up these systems where elites control things? Uh, actually, a terribly fascinating debate. So, yeah, just like, as if you decide to watch this movie and just have fun with it pay attention to the dialogue of that scene the point of this scene is to set up conflict between rachel and sydney as well as introduce a few dorks but actually pay attention to what they're talking about not only because it's kind of a plot point for the film but it is reflective 
Well, and and I'm actually it's it's really it is really interesting to me because right now I'm reading a book on um, political writing. Um, it's called Words That Work. It's written by Frank Lutz, and um, Frank Lutz is actually like one of the most prolific Republican pollsters in the business. Um, uh, and it's very interesting because he wrote this book in 0607 and it's still in that, it, it's written in that time space where it talks about like, you know, the ascendancy of, uh, Barack Obama and, you know, like what the, the campaigns at that time were like, you know, what the, you know, Hillary's campaign was like Giuliani's, I forgot that Mitt Romney was in, in the mix in, in 07. But what's striking about it is some of the things that he talks about that were just um, politically and socially prescient in 2007 when this movie came out, it doesn't feel like things are a whole lot different 15, 16 years later, um, which is not a great commentary, but also it makes this movie in this moment oddly applicable. Like, I'm not going to quite say it's timeless, but it definitely still feels like it applies. You don't think it's timeless? <laughs> they have a they have MySpace pages and a hot or oh not God. website. I, I mean, it almost predicts the rise of Facebook. Like Facebook would have yeah, been well, on the fa- scene for Facebook, about three years Facebook was out. at that point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But like the the ascendancy of it, and because Facebook originally started off as a hot or not website, I'm not surprised. Yeah, so that's, a nice little that, nice little dig dig there. Yep, uh, the school's hot or not site, the sharks and uh, the sharkettes. There's no reason why. Sydney becomes the number one. I'm just going to say that. I don't care how like chauvinist <laughs> I sound. Uh, like there's, I, I see a lot of other people in that movie that, that could have ranked higher, but maybe it's because she's so damn nice of a person and inclusive. I, I and suppose. Not Greek. Yeah. And exactly. <laughs> um, very much uh, one of those ham fisted call outs is when, Rachel at the very beginning of the movie logs in to see where she's ranked and she makes the comment still the fairest one of all. And yeah, because like, we're like, oh, oh there's my... our magic mirror. Yep. I was like, oh God, we get it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that that's why the evil queen hates Snow White. Like right. she'd be perfectly fine if she just had was like a little ugly. Just <laughs> just left yeah. of center, right? Just slightly yeah. on the yeah. Your face is too symmetrical. That's I, I mean, have you ever thought about like how callous the Snow White legend really is, and how like shallow it's? Yeah, it's it, pretty it, grim, right? <laughs> oh, speaking of, <laughs> that's a line I completely missed the first time I saw it, and it wasn't until I watched it again I was like, "Oh, that's actually really funny." They get kicked out of the vortex, and the grumpy it's, dork is like, "This is pretty grim, brothers." Grim brothers. <laughs> like, yep, that's funny. Yeah, I was the like, brothers that kind of guys. pandering I can I can handle. I appreciate that. I, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, is the name the Vortex a reference to anything? I think they just call it like he explains in the movie. I think it's just uh, it sucks in all the which the losers. I could design see the- wise. The house is very much, again, a nod to the architecture style of the dwarves house in snow white. And and it's it 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 also to me very much looks like the house from Animal House. Okay. Like I don't I don't know how familiar you are with it, but it's Animal House right. is the same kind of like shithole run down just weird crap all over the place. So yeah, probably it. probably a nod to that a little bit. 
I, I, I absolutely think so. And I'm, I'm curious. The reason I guess I was curious about is the vortex a, a reference to anything? The name, the vortex to me seems like something the dorks would have come up with, but it's a little too clever for the mean people on campus to have come up with. I, and that's why I was like, is this like it's supposed to be an in-universe reference? Because I can't imagine somebody like a Richard Witchburn or a Tyler Prince being like, you know what we should call that place? The Vortex. They'd call it the shithole. That's what they would call it. <laughs> well, they, we can't have too much swearing, okay? This is I, needs to be approachable. Was, <laughs> approachable what, film, okay? Uh, this isn't a PG film. This is PG-13, right? I don't know. They talk about sex a lot, so that's that's probably true. PG-13. It's got to be PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this, I also wanted to point out the the whole goal. Yeah, like Sydney's goal becomes like she's going to become student council president, and right. she's going to basically kind of redistribute the funding because like yes. all the funding is going towards Greek projects, and she's like everybody else deserves to right. have this money. But what happens? Like at the end of the movie, she's clearly taken all the money to like fix up her own fucking house. Power corrupts, man. It does, and you got some nepotism involved. Like she, like some, some, some. Like I, I, this, this breaks some sort of like political government laws, right? When you have like you, you contract your own family to come in and do work. You know, there's probably money under the table there. I don't know, man. I, I think <laughs> in a very interesting way, this film so perfectly encapsulates modern politics if you look beneath the surface. Like, if you open the hood of this movie up, yeah, you have a populist a populist candidate in revolt who preaches this message of, uh, you know, inclusivity and then just gets into office and, and enriches himself. And they're, yeah, they're immediate yeah, it's circle. such a cynical like, way to look at it. It's like, really <laughs> that's not what we're supposed to take away from this movie. <laughs> right. But clearly, she virtue signals all these other groups. Yes, does awful. Like there's there's moments. I enjoyed it when the movie came out, but I've seen too many like real world examples of like pandering and virtue signaling that when I watch the montage now of them visiting like these other the other school groups that yes. I feel like I'm like this is disingenuous. It, this is a hundred percent. Nobody falls con- for this shit anymore. It, exactly. Especially considering the way that we see the movie end. Like if we'd gotten mm-hmm. a little bit more in that ending montage of her still continuing to do outreach with those other groups, maybe it feels a little bit more genuine. I'm, I'm not sure the people got the student council that they thought they were electing. I would like to believe that she did try to champion for all the groups after she took care of her own house. It it seems it seems out of order, man. It seems out yeah, of order. But she probably got a little power hungry and like starved the Greek uh, groups. Like they right. probably, it, yeah, exactly. And there was probably a revolt before I, she graduated. It 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 wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me, right? Like I yeah. I, I don't think the she's the sequel's a very dark. Is no. it really? I oh. think she. Yeah. Like no, I'm like there, there should be. And that's <laughs> when we meet Rose Red. <laughs> Rose Red it, comes on the scene. Isn't Rose Red like referenced at some point in this movie? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, I thought I thought I thought so. Maybe not. Oh, I uh, actually, yes. Hang on, it's in the trivia. Dinky, uh, her her actual name is Demetria Rosemead, and she and is that's supposed to be a Rose Red. Is ro- it's a Rose Red reference? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, you could easily miss that. 
I love yeah, Dinky. Very easy. I do too. I lo- I love Dinky and I love like Rachel's two sorority like side lieutenants. Like oh. <laughs> they crack <laughs> yeah. me up. They crack me yeah. up the whole movie. They, they I was like, you were the performance this movie absolutely needed. Like they're hysterical. I, I appreciate that Dinky, I think, is one of the more redeemed characters in the movie. Like who goes oh, yeah. in with very much just this one idea and is somebody who allows their eyes to be opened up a little bit more and um I, I I really I dig that. And then you have a very prescient, again, topical moment that happens at the end. Uh the sorority kicks Rachel out. Right. And they kick her out. They could have kicked her out at any point, but they choose to kick her out after she loses. Which is interesting in its own right. Like it as, is. I was like as long this as she's what happened winning. to Tucker at Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's what a lot of people thought was going to happen to Donald Trump was that as long as he was winning for the party, they were going to keep him elevated. But once he started losing for a while, people thought like Trump was going to be on the outs, even with the Republican mm-hmm. Party. Now, we're starting to see evidence that that's that is not the case. But um, yeah, that was the assumption was that as soon as he begins to consistently lose, the party will kick him aside because the Republican Party is just so solely focused on on winning. And this would have been an interesting like uh, an interesting parallel to, to that discussion um, because, yeah, they they boot her as soon as she loses. Yeah. So some of the which is not what the movie is trying to tell you, but that right. is what kind of what happens. Yep. Uh, you know, you find out that her sycophants actually really effing hate her. Right. They and they've do always not hated like her. her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. You know, one has a doll she sticks needles in. <laughs> oh my god. Pretty dark. That that was really dark. Yeah. It's such a dark moment then she's like, "Oh, and I'm a dork." And they're like, yeah. I'm a little so, uncomfortable with the word dork being thrown out as much as it is at the end. I'm like, "Do you know what a dork is, people?" Yeah, and and I I I also have trouble with this movie um very much like beauty washing dork culture like the idea is is that you know things like video games things like comic books like you know that that whole subculture is completely unacceptable when it is being held by people who are not traditionally attractive but then when you get like Tyler and uh and and you get Sydney who it turns out also like these things suddenly it's fine to like them but it's not until the beautiful people like them that we're told it's okay to be this way that's an underlying message in this movie that I am it's again it's one of the things that like I like at the risk of sounding like a snowflake it was a little triggering for me was this idea that it requires the the medium of somebody who is hot to bring it to the rest of the world and for the rest of the world to be okay with it. It, it assumes that people can't think for themselves and just find shit cool that they find sh- that, they, that they find cool. Well, unfortunately, I think there's a, a lot of reality in that sort of thing. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and that's unfortunate because people should just be who they are, but you're a lot more comfortable being who you are if you know that someone is successful at being kind of the same thing. <laughs> you're like, okay, no, it, yes, this is cool. Yeah, and that's I, what I'm, role models are. And and you very much see a like an uptick in in uh, you know a growing acceptance of like Warhammer 40k, which I remember being a dork in junior high and high school, putting the little models together with my buddies, and like I, we played 40k back in the day. But it was very like you 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 were a certain kind of nerd to be into Warhammer 40k. Henry Cavill comes out and says that it's you know his. Uh, 
his, his nerdy obsession, and suddenly the whole fucking world wants to play Warhammer 40k. That's because they're hoping to run into him. Yeah, well, I got bad news. <laughs> like you and like 8 million other people. Yep, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but dude's a gamer. I mean, dude loves his games. And, and, I, and yeah. I love that. I think that's awesome. It's it's a it's a real world it's a real it's, world it's, demonstration. It's very, of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. it is. Um, and besides, he's a PC gamer, so I'm, I can't That's identify. True. Yeah, I'm, he's PC I'm a console race. person. Fuck just, off, Henry yeah. Cable. <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier. Consoles just easier. It's more accessible. All right. I agree. Whatever. No, I, I I don't disagree, man. I I, I prefer console gaming. <laughs> We know PC is vastly superior in every way, whatever. Yeah, it's like the Kirk know. versus Picard debate, you know? Yeah. Very Everyone much. Knows. Everyone knows Picard was a superior captain. <laughs> uh, oh, the one other thing I wanted to point out in this movie <clears throat> is, uh, again, with them really just trying to hit these parallels as hard as possible yeah. with Snow White, uh, yeah. their date, they go on their date. Yep. And. Uh, Apparently, Tyler Prince drives a classic Mustang. He does. Yes. Which, what's their emblem? A fucking horse. It's a horse, right. He's, Look, he's this guy rides in, in on a... his horse. Yeah. I, I, it's horse convertible. The, fucking ridiculous. The only thing that I wish was that it was a white Mustang. That way he could come in on you know a white steed, and, but we don't, we don't quite yeah. get that. Yeah. I, okay. I guess we should be grateful they didn't go that far. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know if there like is there a white classic one? I don't oh think, yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. I don't know. I think the red is more prestigious. Well, the, that's that's what people remember. But that's because that was like you know like the the Ford Model T came out and it was just black. Originally, yeah. the Mustang was just red. Like the like, yeah. m- there's a a very particular shade of red that is mm-hmm. at Ford commonly referred to as mustang red it's i mean the official color is like candy apple or something like that but it's it's mustang red yeah there was a lot of lead in it and you know it's fine (laughs) i don't know if that's true i'm just making uh i mean probably back in the 60s yeah absolutely um but that's that's sydney white um the i think the one regret i have is i didn't do a few more days on this because i definitely could have been like they spent a week i think in the gym uh oh yeah yeah, like all those scenes what? in the gym. I think they took. Was that a it's university UC- gym? It's yeah, it's UCF. It was like their uh, okay. new gym. Gotcha. It was. I think yeah. it was like brand new. Yeah. Uh, when they went in there, and uh, that's when you realize this movie is sponsored by Champion. <laughs> everybody, again, everybody's wearing Champion gear. There's a big like Champion banner. I think. I think it's there to cover up the UCF sign. Uh, sure. But yep. it's like a big Champion banner, and we're like. How much money did Champion give this movie? They, they dumped some money this, into it. Again, another uh, you can tell like the production value difference between a movie like this and you know she's the man or or something uh, because uh, <laughs> Champion was a sponsor. <laughs> and again, talking about ways that this this movie uh, like this movie could come out today and you I don't know that you would actually know the difference. Um, like Champion's very big. These days, like Champion is a it, it it's absolutely a like uh, a brand that that people are like they love Champion. I see Champion shit all over the place these days, which means ex Kmart people are furious. 
Right. I, I remember when it was the Kmart brand. I had champion clothes growing up because it was, you know, two dollars for a hoodie when, you know, the family had you know no money and five kids. So I I had champion yeah. stuff that came off the blue light rack. Yes. Like, not even like no, 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 we 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 need to save even more money. Right. <laughs> That's the champion um, there was, I remember. Yeah. And then there was a brief bit where champion came like really kind of cool and bougie and I actually liked their like champion target line. Oh yeah. Uh, and then target switched a few years ago and now I can't find that line anymore. And now champions just it's champion. It's way too expensive for what it is. In my opinion, it really is the fact that they're like 40 bucks for a hoodie now on, on Amazon for a champion hoodie. I was like for champion. Really? All right. I'm like, looks like I'm going to jerseys. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some durable shirts. Yeah, they are. <laughs> oh, uh, so I'm like I'm I'm sad I didn't like end up in the in the gym there, but I'm, the I, gym there's also a part of me that's like, how if I had been available every day, like yeah. how long would my luck have held before well, the cinematographer I, I, or AD or something was like, this guy, you're great. Can you just he needs to go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a good question. I mean, it, this this movie only took 35 days to film. Yeah very easy there's no real big effects there's no anything right the weather held up because it was not the rainy season you know i was gonna say it's knowing knowing what florida weather is i'm shocked it like oh yeah it was because you filmed in the winter right yeah it was was february through april yeah early april something yeah so so. starting to warm up but not quite balls it was perfectly comfortable yeah i was also bummed i never was on set with john schneider I would have loved to have met him. Yeah. Dad. Yes. Like I'd be like, let's talk about Smallville and Dukes of Hazzard. I was going to say Smallville was like very much that was like in its its heyday was 07, right? Yeah. I think I think his character had like just died like that previous season. I think. Gotcha. Okay. Um, But yeah. I, he's he's like the name in the movie, I guess. Yep. <laughs> be like, Who do you <laughs> recognize? Uh, well, we got Amanda Bynes guy. and her dad. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love the contraption in the montage where she's talking about growing up and how he's trying to explain stuff to her. And he builds the thing to simulate like the women's reproductive the system. Yep. Freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> freaking freaking what is great. He, I love that. What does he call? Not fallopian so tubes. Well, he he, what is, he tries. Yeah, he mispronounces a bunch of times. He's like, we'll just call it your lady tubes. Your lady tubes, yeah. <laughs> He's like, and then once a month, you lay an egg. Like a chicken. Like a chicken. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh my God. God. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, rough. So, I mean, we don't really need to do prequel, sequel, or reboot on this one. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> although, I could argue for a sequel uh, to be filmed right here, show her downfall in The Rise of Rose Red. Because she got corrupted. Um, and then I just come back as like every... I'm older now, so I guess I have to be like every academic like staff member. All the teachers. On the campus. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 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 I'm just like everywhere. Right. I just... I, I there, there needs to be more of me. Uh, I mean, of course. Absolutely. There's no question about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, and this, this is one that I... Um, Unfortunately, when I started thinking sequel, prequel, or reboot, I think sequel or prequel, either one of them, 
uh, is going to fall into the territory of like American Pie, the Naked Mile, right? Like, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, same it's universe, a, but in no way the same story. No, it's it. Well, it, yeah, it's almost like one of those things where it's like you know completely different cast of characters telling yeah. almost the same story, sort of thing. Yeah, like Blue exactly. Crush Two. <laughs> exactly, exactly like Blue Crush Two. Um, yeah. Oh, the other music sin. I forgot. I almost forgot the other music sin. Um, you know the scene where the girls like seduce them at the party, and it's almost but not quite the song from Ferris Bueller. Oh, Do you, did uh, you track the music in that scene? It's almost. I, I don't know that I. The the song like it's yellow. It's almost. Okay. It's almost now. I gotta go back and check it because I yellow is a band that I grew up listening to because my dad liked them, and it's one of those super weird like esoteric bands like. Everybody knows the the chicka chicka song from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but they're a very weird Swedish electronic band from the 1980s that, like, I don't know, man. I mean, that song's very weird. Everything Yellow does is weird. There's not one, there is not one song that Yellow does that isn't fucking weird, but it's really good. Listen to the album The Race. That's that's the one. Yeah, listen to listen to the race and uh, like it, it. You will. I, I that that album is strangely alluring to me. So I, I apologize, listeners. I know this uh, this episode was more about me than Amanda. Um, <laughs> well, but and, there's and a Aman- for that. Yeah, Amanda had a rough just, fall from grace, unfortunately. So she did. It's very it's it's very sad, and like she was even. In the news, like a couple months ago, I think that she again, was, you know, and then and, you know, and of course, TMZ is reporting this shit. TMZ and the yeah. New York Post being like, "Oh, she found you know, doing anything." I think the story that was missed, that thankfully, you know, wholesome Twitter kind of gets a hold of, is like, yeah, she got help. She yes. knew she was in a bad spot. She got help. Uh, that's that's wonderful. Uh, yep. I would say, if you want to peek at, um you know, child, child stardom and its trauma. Right. Uh, I, I recently read uh, Jeanette McCurdy's book. I, I'm glad my mom is dead. Mm. Uh, and she was, you know, she was a Nickelodeon star. Yeah. And, um, but that's just about her life. And it's, it's, I love the way she writes it because it's written like in the moment, like it's okay. almost written like as it's happening sort of thing. So, She's not writing these events through the lens of like looking back. I da 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 da. Like it's in that moment, so you see what the mentality is at that time. Yeah, and her growth and change, and you know where she is by the time this this book is written. This is very uh, contemporaneous. Yeah, it, it's it's a good read. It's a sad read, um, yeah. and this is just this is just one person's story, right? And experience with. Uh, child acting and child stardom and it's probably not an uncommon story yeah it's and and i think for for you know to to kind of like cap this conversation because it feels like it's the bookends for this this particular episode again child actors are put into extraordinary situations when they are in their formative years and Apart from, like, does the way that they're directed and the way that they're taught to act for very specific projects, does that screw them up to ever be able to act competently again without having to completely relearn tradecraft? And along with that, you know, it takes a certain kind of parent to push children 
into child acting. There, you know, you you cannot underestimate parental influence at in in these at, at this time of the the kid's life, and so. Um, you know, one wonders if if the parents are committed enough to shove their children into the spotlight in that way. What are they like behind the scenes um, being so single minded as to make their child famous? What else are they so single minded about that is that's that's terribly unpleasant? Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I child acting, it's it's a it's a weird thing, man. Like it's uh, the just the the way that. Uh, the way that we see so many kids come out of these these kinds of things and these roles and are so uh, have such challenges later in life, I'd say you start to wonder about the ethics of it. Oh yeah, and there's God, there's so much about that world that I don't know enough about. I don't have enough material ready because I was I was ready to go down a whole yeah. rabbit hole about you know bad managers and agents and production companies and the way these kids are abused, you know. Yep, mentally and, and you know emotionally, physically. Uh, I just I I didn't have enough time to go in that material, and I wanted to yeah, keep it's... it a little fun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is why we talked about you and your stunning performance. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I decided to make this all about me. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> this movie would have made even less money if I wasn't in it. Technically, that's true because a lot of my friends went to go see it because I was in it. So see. You uh, helped you boost go. that thirteen million that, that I, you know. I did. There's probably a good two hundred bucks that movie earned thanks to me. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had to rent it, right? I did. Yep. Yeah. You, are you okay. seen any? Uh, four you seen any residuals on that? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, I, I thought maybe. I thought Could've. maybe you know. <laughs> you know, you, you get like yeah, a ten back, cent check in the mail or something like that. Background entertainment. They don't. They don't get that. That's not, no, no, no. If I had a line in the movie, like you know, then maybe if I had a That's line, true. or if I was a stand-in. No, I, well, no, I don't think stand-ins. I think you have to speak for it to yeah, matter. Do you have to speak for it? Yeah, in order to get. Yeah, and if you speak and you're not supposed to, but the director likes it, oh, that's a whole big snafu behind the oh, scenes. Oh, really? Because. Well, yes, because then you're no longer background entertainment. You now are classified as like a verbal role, and that's a whole different ballgame. Oh, and yeah, got it. So they're they're yeah. like, damn it, you just made more work for us. But the director is the one who's like, yeah, yeah this like, oh, is they awesome. Supposed to. He's like, no, it's great. I like it. You're gonna be a star, <laughs> baby. <laughs> We're gonna make you a star, kid. Get this. Get this man an agent. <laughs> guys thanks for listening to season two yes the cinema podcast yes we we very much appreciate it we appreciate everybody tuning in um it's it has been a fun ride this season had some interesting choices uh like this this season uh, it's funny how there was i would say up until this episode we had some sort of connective tissue between every episode even if it was only accidentally but how do we how do we tie this one into the uh, the rest of the season? Okay, so here's how we tie it in. Tie it in. Uh, Terrence, okay. uh, Doc, uh, yep. remember he played Donatello in the Michael Bay yes. Ninja Turtles. Okay, we did Donatello. We did, Ninja- we did Ninja Turtles. Okay, Donatello, that voice actor in Secret of the Ooze, replaced mm-hmm. Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman was a child actor, fell down a dark rabbit hole, and then eventually redeemed himself and came back to do Turtles Three. Boom! Nailed it. All right. 
we just bookended the whole season. I, I feel so much better. Whew. This was all intentional. It was all, all intentional, big folks. big master plan. All planned out. super <laughs> clever. <laughs> Fast and how clever we are. <laughs> there's no wrestlers in this movie. That, as far as I know, there's no wrestlers. No, there's no wrestlers. Um, football referenced, but, you know. Oh, it's, well, yeah. Yeah. Can you forgive it? Can you forgive it? Because they're tailgating at the school game i'll forgive it yeah all right i'll I'll, I'll forgive it yeah (laughs) um yeah i i will say so yeah we we had uh, you know an interesting amount of connective tissue this season next season when we return is a themed season so we are we are actually going the direction of uh, for this next one there there is a, a a much a much more intentional connective tissue in season three upcoming of cinema and uh i'm very excited to bring that season uh to uh, to life yeah that'll be coming along eventually folks uh we have to go on hiatus for a little while because i have to play tears of the kingdom right uh, yeah so. exactly i'm gonna lose josh for a bit so <laughs> <laughs> i'll see you in three to six months uh yeah <laughs> depending on how much of a completionist i am yeah yeah. Somebody somebody I read said that the first Breath of the Wild takes 30 hours to complete. And I was like, I fucking beg to differ. No. Not your first path pass through. No, I That's mean, a much there's longer some game. stuff. There's some stuff you didn't do. Yeah. Unless you're just yeah. really good and you can pop Lynels in like 30 seconds. Somebody apparently did 100% complete the game in under 24 hours, but like this is somebody who's been playing the game for 5 or 6 years to grind that time down. Wow. Anyway, that's a different next conversation. Season. Yeah. <laughs> next season of the cinema podcast. No, thank you everybody for joining us this season. Um, thanks for joining us on our season finale here today. As always, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rating, all that fun stuff. Reach out to us on the socials. You know, uh, we we appreciate it and we we love our listeners. We'll see you guys next time. We'll see you next time. <laughs>